Welcome to the Impact Alumni Podcast. I'm Paul Clifford. I'm the president and CEO of the East Carolina Alumni Association, and I produce this podcast at least monthly to provide free and convenient professional development for alumni relations practitioners. And I'm pleased to have with me on my show today Chris Vallejos. Chris is the executive director of the University of Arizona Alumni Association. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Paul, it is great to be here. It's a real honor. I've heard great things about your podcast, and it's uh, it's a nice thing to be here. Well, Chris, you um, have have built a pretty impressive career in alumni relations. But before you got into uh, into this business, tell folks what you were doing beforehand. Well, Paul, I think we all follow unconventional paths to get in this business. And for the first twenty years of my career, I was in the the uh, corporate world, advertising and marketing. Um, Yet, during the whole time, I was a volunteer for my alumni association uh, at Ohio State, um, leader of a chapter, uh, member of a chapter network, um, volunteering on various uh, honoraries. In fact, at one point, I was even on the committee to pick the class ring, of all things. So maintaining a 20-year uh, sense of connection with my alma mater as a volunteer, at one point, Ohio State decided they needed to professionalize their marketing operation, and they called and, uh, and offered me a job. Uh, the, the the catch was they offered me a job that paid a lot less money than what I was making in the corporate world, but uh, offered me the chance to work a lot more hours. And I uh, somehow convinced my wife that that's the, the right option and took the job. So I've been in alumni relations <laughs> for the past uh, 10 years. What a bargain. And, and what, what? <laughs> it's un- unbelievable. <laughs> but I have to tell you, you know, working in the corporate world, um, I mean, there is no substitute for being able to work on a college campus, deal with alumni that love their university, I deal with students that just uh, are thrilled to be here. So it's a great profession. And I think that the 20 years in the corporate world, especially what I did, marketing, communications, branding, really kind of uh, helped me to become an executive director and president at an alumni association. Absolutely. You know, they probably sold you more on on the lifestyle than they did on the the hours and and what the job would entail. Well, there was that, yes. Uh, but to be honest, um, my first job in the alumni industry was working for my alma mater, the Ohio State Alumni Association. And what an amazing thing it was uh, to be able to take my corporate skills and apply them to a university that I love so well. So once I got involved in alumni relations, I was at Ohio State for seven years. Um, it, it was very easy to make the move to another large public school like University of Arizona. And so I've been here since 2007. So, Chris, talk a little bit about you have um – you have been positioned in the industry as as a guy, and I'm talking about the alumni relations industry as a as a go to guy uh, when it when it's uh, the conversation comes up about marketing or branding or membership. Uh, you're the guy that people look to. So talk a little bit about how you define brand. It seems to be a buzzword that people throw around a lot, but I think they confuse it all too often with uh, with a design or with a logo. Talk a little bit more about what brand means to you. Well, they they do, Paul, and it's a great question. And you're absolutely right. Branding is is a buzzword. Everybody wants to do it, and and it's relatively new in academe and alumni associations. I mean, for for decades, if not longer, um, in our business, we didn't have to to brand or market. I mean, you you have a membership program. You um, you know you have certain benefits, and people would just join because that's what you did. They they don't do that anymore. So there's a much greater emphasis on marketing than there ever was. But I want to go back to to my Ohio State days just for a second. And, you know, again, I was hired because the Alumni Association felt the need to professionalize. Why was that? Well, because after decades of success, their membership program stumbled. Uh, it it uh, declined one year after another, and they didn't know why. 
And when I started at Ohio State, I immediately did some focus group research and some empirical studies and found out that alumni had, even though they loved the university, had no idea what the Alumni Association was all about. I mean, aside from getting uh, two football tickets to one game, which was at the time the, the path for uh, alumni to go to football games, uh, there was really no reason to join. Uh, there was no sense of what membership was all about, what the Alumni Association did. It was just kind of vague and amorphous. And so my job was to kind of get my arms around that, you know, really build the brand. And branding in this business is really only about 10 years old. I mean, it, it's, it's relatively new for a lot of us. But So what is the brand all about? Well, a lot of folks feel that if they developed a, a snazzy tagline, um, that's pretty much all they need. Right. Well, a brand, when it comes down to it, is every single touch point that your alumni, your community, your constituents have with you. It's the tagline, sure. It might be the logo, the identification. In the case of Arizona, the tagline is Wildcat for Life. and We've trademarked that. In the case of Ohio State, it's, it's interesting that they've kept the tagline that I created so many years ago, Stay Connected, Make Ohio State Stronger. So it's a nice tagline. It seems to mean a lot. It seems to resonate. But when it comes down to it, it's a matter of how you interact with alumni at chapter events. That's your brand. How you answer the phone. Um, how you deliver the, the benefits and services and communications. I mean, every every aspect of the alumni interaction with their alumni association, um, that that affects the brand. So if if you say, and I have to say nothing is new in this industry, we, we all um, we all kind of follow each other or I guess complement each other with taglines that are pretty comparable. If I were to say that our brand essence is keeping alumni connected with their alma mater, you'd have to argue that East Carolina, that's probably what you guys do as well. Right, and actually, actually I'd share our, our tagline that we use is the East Carolina Alumni Association, your ECU connection, and so... Yeah, your ECU connection. Um, stay connected, make Ohio State stronger. Implicit in Wildcat for Life is we're connecting Wildcats for life. So it's that right. the whole um, aspect of connectivity, which is kind of the common denominator in, in our business. If you say that and if you feel it, that's great, but you've got to live it and deliver it. So how do you really keep alumni connected? Um, and we've had a number of, of uh, I guess, anecdotes where an alum calls and says, okay, I live in... I live in Chicago. Um, how can I stay connected? And until a few years ago, our response was, well, join the chapter. And that was it. Well, that's really not connecting alumni to the university all that much when it comes down to it. So over the past few years, we have launched, for example, an alumni student recruitment program where alumni, wherever they live, through some coordination with our admissions office, of course, um, can be that contact with the high school college counselor. They can go to the college fairs. In fact, in our case, it's the alumnus who lives out there in the field that actually calls the student to say, congratulations, you've been admitted to the University of Arizona. Uh, we also launched a career services program where students can now contact alumni for career advice. But it's not just career advice. It's advice on choosing a major. It's uh, advice on seeking an internship, those kinds of things. So now we have um, many more things that we can provide alumni who say, I want to be connected. And if we are that connection between the university and their alumni, we have to make sure that alumni are, are connected as well. But, um, you know, Paul, we also produce a magazine here at the Alumni Association, and most of our colleagues do the same. And we need to make sure that the magazine and our communications uh, adequately connect alumni to the university. And the way that I like to, to view this as um, our office bringing the university to our alumni. So case in point, 
we are the Arizona Wildcats. Um, our mascot is a big cat named Wilbur Wildcat. Everybody loves Wilbur. <laughs> um, you probably have a pirate mascot. I, we do. In fact, I know you do. Yes, we do. Um, but the cover story of our of our um, uh, all alumni issue of the magazine last fall was Wilbur Wildcat, Wilbur's 50th anniversary, and it was great. I mean, people loved it. But the thing is, in Arizona, what do you think the major issue is these days? Well, it's immigration. Right. And so we, we changed the magazine around. Uh, immigration was the cover story. We had three or four faculty weigh in on, on their view on immigration because it surrounds us here. And we just felt that this is the best way to bring the university to our alumni dealing with substantive issues. Hey, I live Wilbur Wildcat as much as anyone, but there's more to the story than, than kind of the rah-rah aspect of, of U of A. Absolutely. Uh, it's what we're doing academically. So um, we've got a great tagline, Wildcat for Life. We've actually trademarked it. Uh, it. It's now found on apparel so people can say it, they can wear it. But when it comes down to it, what does that mean? Well, we have to connect them for life with the university, with our communications, with our programs, with, with our services. And so we think we're off to a really good start here. That's great. Well, Chris, you know, it, it sounds to me like uh, maybe a simple definition of brand is, uh, you know, basically um, living your values and, and being who you are as an organization, but personifying that, bringing that into every aspect of the organization, like you said, from answering the phones to program delivery to what your website and magazine and how they connect alumni. Right. Absolutely. So talk a little bit about then why it seems that many uh, many alumni associations and professionals struggle with this. Why? Why? Why is there a constant? Um, why does it seem like some are in a constant search to build their brand? Well, and, and let, let's take this down to uh, to some metrics. I mean, you and I have been in in this business. Uh, we've we've been dealing with with membership issues for years. And so, why is it that that the the average membership solicitation? You know, send out some direct mail and ask people to join the alumni association. Why is it that uh, that if more than one or two percent actually join via direct mail, that we think that's a success? Yeah, that uh, if you, if you get more than two percent, it becomes a best practice, right? I mean, do, I mean, do you realize that? Uh, <laughs> I mean, when I was in the marketing business, I used to work for a cat food product, and you would do coupons in, in the Sunday newspaper. Right. And in the Sunday newspaper, you really can't target cat owners. You don't know who the cat owners are. You just put the coupons out there, and those things would get three, four, five percent redemption. Wow! So why is it that in our business, where we know where our alumni live, we we have pretty good databases. We know that many alumni love the university. That when we do direct mail, ninety-eight or ninety-nine percent of the recipients say, "You know, no thanks," um, because as much as we like to uh, establish the brand, develop programs and services that deliver the brand. It really comes down to relevance. I mean, people don't get out of bed and say, you know, I think I'll join my alumni association today. Right, Or I think exactly. I'll make a gift. Um, so as much as they love their alma mater and as much as they love to go to Pirates games on a football Saturday, uh, it's it's really difficult to create such relevance so that people will say, you know what, membership or giving or volunteering is really, really easy to me. So take this to the corporate world. Um, you want to buy a car. And you want to buy a Volvo. What does Volvo mean to you? You hear that word, and what's what's your first reaction? Safety. Safety, absolutely. So, and I have to admit that uh, when my kids were little, my kids are all adults now. But when I had three little kids, I had a I had two Volvos because you know, the safest car in the world. Um, 
I knew what I was looking for. I knew what I wanted. When it comes down to your alumni association or to making uh, a gift or being a volunteer for your university, it, it tends to be pretty low on your radar screen. So we really have to create relevance and provide alumni with things that, that are meaningful to them and things that they can't get elsewhere. Um, so that's kind of what we all struggle with. You know, what is that thing or things? What what will alumni look at us uh, to get things that are really unique and special to them? So you're saying the days of joining the alumni association, where you know your your pitch is join the alumni association. It's it's because it's what you should do uh, is is no longer a relevant pitch. Well, it's not a relevant pitch, and, and you're, you're asking a question that I think kind of puts its toe into the uh, area of generational marketing. I mean, I'm a, I'm a boomer. Um, you're a little bit younger than me, but I think right. we're, we're kind of in the same age group. And, you know, back then the deal was you had a great college experience, you would join the Alumni Association because it's what you're supposed to do. Well, the, um, the younger generations, Gen X, the millennials, it's not it at all. Uh, if the pitch is join the association, um, Younger alumni don't really feel that way. They, they, first of all, they feel like, don't tell me what I should do. Let me figure it out for myself. And their values are, are very different. The boomer values have a lot to do with how do I benefit? You know, what are the things that, that I can get? Because boomers, I mean, it's all about me. We're the me generation. Younger alumni, they want benefits, but as, as many young alums have told me, you know, I want to make sure that if I join, something good is happening uh, for the university. And a lot of um, alumni association pitches have not been that. They've been a transaction. Join in to get tickets, join in to get access to this or that. But that's why uh, during the Ohio State days, we kind of retooled it. It was stay connected, but make Ohio State stronger. When you join the alumni association, here's how the university benefits. And that was a tagline that I think really resonated and in fact, the membership numbers took off after that. Absolutely, it's more it's more project based for the younger alumni. It's more um, associate with people who are as unique as you. Those types of things. Uh, you're absolutely right that appeal to them. You're listening to the Impact Alumni podcast, and we're uh, joined today by Chris Vlahos. Chris is the president of the University of Arizona Alumni Association. Well, Chris, say I, I'm a I'm an alumni association professional sitting in my office listening to this podcast and I'm thinking, boy, you know, we really need to work on our brand and, and we're, we, this is something we're struggling with and we need to articulate it. What are some, what are some things that you would advise them to do as good first steps? As a, as a good first step, I would talk to your constituents. Um, go out into the field, do some focus groups, uh, get out of town. Uh, it, it, if you if you live in uh, if you're working at Ohio State, don't just talk to Columbus residents. Go out and talk to uh, alumni who live in Los Angeles, Chicago, New York to get a well-rounded opinion. But listen to what your alumni are, are all about. You might find that there is massive confusion between the alumni association and the development office. For example, um, you might find that people view the alumni association as just asking for money all the time and not helping them. Um, you might find some things that are, are very uh, very meaningful to to things that you should do. I mean, I was doing some focus groups a couple of years ago and talked to some graduating seniors. Now, you know, what do you think graduating seniors want most of all? Well, they want jobs, right? Especially in this economy. But it's something that I heard in that in that focus group setting that 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 really kind of surprised me. It made an impact. It was a, a young adult who said, "Mr. Flaios, how many alumni do you have?" Uh, and this is at Ohio State. And I said, "Well, we have four hundred thousand alumni." And he said, well, that's wonderful. I need a job. So what am I supposed to do? Get a phone book? 
And you know, one of those moments <laughs> where you think, okay, it's kind of a funny comment, and you know, in, in the setting, you know, people laughed about it. But I realized that if I run this organization that has the key to several hundred thousand alumni, shouldn't I be obligated to um, organizing these alumni in some fashion where students can have access to them? Absolutely. For, for a career benefit. And then what happens if if a new graduate feels that the alumni association is looking after them? which is what we say we do, right, if we look after our right. our alumni and keep them connected for life. And if we help them with that transition from the student world to the real world, what do you think that they will do? Well, I think that they'll probably be connected. Um, they'll have uh, an appreciation for what the Alumni Association does and value what they receive from it. And then maybe they will volunteer, join, give, be a mentor to those that follow them. So there are a lot of benefits here. I mean, having a career services program obviously benefits alumni because they feel they're connected by giving their advice. The recent grants feel connected because they benefit, but in the big picture, you're really elevating the university, which is what we're all about anyway. That's great, and that's that's some great advice. Chris, uh, you know, as we wrap up the podcast here, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about um, your membership program that you have at the University of Arizona. You've been there now uh, a couple of years, and when you got there, you revamped their membership program. Talk a little bit about what the program looked like before you got there and how you've uh, how you've injected some life into it. Well, Paul, thank you for, for saying so. Um, and I'm, I'm smiling trying to come up with, a, with an answer that uh, um, is as relevant as possible. I'm, I'm into my fourth year here. And uh, University of Arizona, I think, is, is unique. Many alumni associations have dues-paying programs, um, uh, certainly most of the colleagues that you and I work with. But what makes Arizona unique is we charge dues until the early 80s, got rid of the dues program altogether because there was the, the sense that we were paying too much attention to members and not serving all alumni. Um, kind of the private school model, but uh, there's some merit to that, and that's fine. Right. Well, budgets being the way they are, and certainly in Arizona, uh, the budgets are, are low and getting lower every day, it seems. Uh, the board of directors in 2005 decided to uh, to reinstitute the membership program. So uh, if you were a dues-paying member in 1982, you were told back then, that um, we're not charging dues anymore. You can get the magazine. You can get all the benefits uh, without having to pay dues. So we relaunched it in 2005. Um, it was a good idea financially, but I think the delivery was wrong. Um, the delivery was basically this. We know you've been getting the magazine, receiving all the benefits for free all these years. Uh, due to financial concerns, we have to charge dues. And in order for you to continue to receive your magazine, you have to pay your dues. And the dues then, as they were now, are $50, kind of a common uh, amount for dues. Right. Well, that's fine, and it kind of made sense on paper, but what the Alumni Association forgot, and this happened a year or two before I arrived there, is that when the dues were suspended in 1982, at the time there were 40,000 life members. Now, I paid my life dues at Ohio State in 1981. Right. So can you imagine my reaction in being told, I paid my dues, but a year later, everybody gets the magazine for free. And then 27 years later, I'm being asked to pay my dues again to get the magazine. Right. Um, it, was, <laughs> it, it, it was the right membership model, but the branding was all wrong. We didn't honor those people that were loyal alumni. And you know, life members are your most loyal alums. Uh, we, really, we really hiccuped here. So every chapter meeting I go to, Paul, someone hands me their membership card from the 70s or early 80s and says, I was a life member, and you didn't honor me. Well, I don't know about you, but I think that that uh, 
uh, a brand is very hard to build when you have angry alumni. So we've done the right thing. We have agreed that for any alum that, that wants to reinstitute their, their life membership program, we will give them a free membership, and we honor them as quote-unquote original life members. So the brand is what you say. It's also what you do and how you treat your constituents. And so I think our brand is is now on real solid footing, and I, I no longer hear that concern from alumni that you dishonored me or you disrespected me. I think we've taken care of that problem. Uh, but I think we're also one of the few alumni associations to have a dues program, um, get rid of it, and then bring it back again. I think in the course of all that, we managed to uh, confuse about half of our alumni. Yeah. So <laughs> right now, the membership program is is about 10,000 paid members. It's relatively small, but you know we've been doing it just for a few years. So uh, I think we're we're on the right path. Absolutely. Well, Chris, as we, as we wrap up, one final question. You know, you and I have uh, have been associated with each other through CAAE, the Council for the Advancement of Alumni Associations. But we also have had the opportunity to get to know each other a little bit better over the past three years, serving on the Summer Institute for Alumni Relations through CASE. Talk about your involvement with CASE and uh, what motivates you to give back to the profession. Well, you know, I... I don't know what motivates me to give back. I mean, it just, it's, it's funny. It, it's uh, how I deal with my alma mater. It just seems like it's the right thing to do. I mean, this is an organization that, that provides tremendous benefit to all of us. Um, CASE deals with uh, uh, colleges, universities, independent schools, uh, but regardless of our size or structure, we all have the same issues. Um, we all deal with alumni engagement and how to motivate alumni to advance the university and um, how to improve our offices. So it's a great organization to belong to. The Summer Institute is a real privilege because when you think about it, um, people like you and me and uh, Matt Barwick from Seton Hall, Gary Olson from Villanova and others, we come together once a year and we are basically charged with educating the newcomers to the industry. Um, it is a, a real privilege to be able to do that. But uh, CASE gives us an opportunity to, to speak, to lecture, to interact with colleagues across the country. It's a, it's a fabulous organization. Absolutely. You know, I, I've said this to you on a number of occasions, but I, I kind of feel like when we go to the Summer Institute, at least for the past three years, I feel like I'm robbing the bank because uh, not only is it a, it's, it's a tremendous honor to be able to um, be charged with presenting and, and educating, you know, future alumni relations professionals at the Summer Institute, but I feel like I get so much more out of it being with you and being with our other colleagues on the faculty and learning from the participants. It's, uh, I, I've learned so much more than I've put into it. Well, I really have, and it's uh, it's interesting you say that. I mean, being a faculty member, we are um, given the responsibility of educating the newcomers, and yet as we sit uh, in one another's sessions, uh, you can see that we all take notes, especially in your sessions, Paul. <laughs> and not to be obsequious, but uh, but your your sessions on on new media are, are tremendous, and I I think we all take as many notes as the um, the attendees take. Oh, I, I appreciate that. Well, Chris, I want to thank you for joining me on the podcast today. I'm sure that people will find what you've had to share fascinating. It's, uh, you know, I know it's a topic that a lot of people talk about and are and struggle with, and I think you've given them some good advice to lead them on the path to building their alumni association's brand. So I appreciate you joining me today. Paul, it's uh, it's great to talk to you. Great to be on this podcast and uh, in, in any time. Well, thanks again, Chris. And thank you for listening to the Impact Alumni Podcast. Again, you can send us feedback and connect to the show. Visit our website at alumnipodcast.com for other episodes of the show. And send us email. Send me feedback at paul.clifford at alumnipodcast. I'd love to hear from you to hear what kind of topics you'd like to see the podcast address in the future. You can subscribe to the Impact Alumni Podcast on the iTunes Music 
Music Store or just visit alumnipodcast.com to subscribe. You can follow the show or become a fan. Join the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Uh, and get involved with the Impact Alumni podcast in that way. Send me a tweet at at Impact Alumni. I really appreciate you joining us today. Thanks for listening. Take care.